Okay, if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And as you're turning there, there was a couple years ago that I was looking for a series of sermons to preach, getting, always trying to get new, fresh ideas. I came across a book in my library that is uh, printed by, or the author is Dr. Hel Harold Wilmington, who's up at Liberty University. In fact, he passed away at the beginning of this, this year. We lost some tremendous giants of the faith. We lost uh, Dr. Ward Wiersbe, uh, who I have all his commentaries, wonderful uh, practical commentaries. I also um, have many of uh, Wilmington's works who brings things down to such a simplistic way. Uh, we thank God for him. Well, he produced a book, and they say don't judge a book by its cover. And I'm going to tell you, the cover's about to fall off this one. It's, uh, the cover's not made of much. And it's called A Book of Bible List. A Book of Bible List. So I was looking through that. And I always thought as a young Christian, I knew there was, there, there was some hindrances to prayer. I knew about, you know, if you and your spouse are having some uh, difficulties and some things like that, that there would be uh, a prayer hindrance. And I also was familiar with what David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, this book actually had and expanded on that of these prayer hindrances that they're actually that I know of, that I'm aware of. There may be more but I could tell you of 11 prayer hindrances. These are things that in your life and in my life or in the life of a Christian, that if we do these things and we commit these things and we don't resolve these things, that what God will do in your prayer life, he will reach over and hit the pause button in your prayer life and hinder your prayers. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot afford for my prayers to be hindered. Too many lost, too many people needing help, too many sick. I cannot afford my prayers to be hindered. Now, here's a fearful thing. I believe after a thorough study of all the 11 prayer hindrances that we will go through here on Sunday nights until the Lord comes back, <laughs> is we will study these prayer hindrances, and you'll realize something that is a very sobering thought. I believe there are many Christians, good-hearted Christians, that they have these unresolved matters in their life, and there is no time period on these things. See, God... God's not going to forget unless we're forgiven. And I know, and after studying this, I thought to myself, the sobering thought, there may be people, Christians, that's went five months, five years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and because they have caused a hindrance in their life, God has put the pause, hit the pause button in their life, and they haven't had an answered prayer in that long. This is serious, serious folks. Let me, let me show you this tonight. We, we're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating of hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament a meek and quiet spirit 
which is in the sight of God of great price. Verse 5, for after this manner in old time the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. <clears throat> Over here. No, I'm just kidding. All right, verse number 6. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Okay, where's Leanna? Okay. Whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them. We'll just skip over this part. No, I'm kidding. With them according to knowledge, given honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now notice, why, why should we do this? That your prayers be not hindered. So this is a series entitled The Problems of Prayer. We're dealing with the hindrances. Here is prayer in its most simplistic form. Prayer, if I could reduce it to one word, prayer is asking. Prayer is asking. That's what prayer is. There's some people that feel very guilty about asking God for things, but that's what prayer is. Prayer is asking and the answer to prayer. Now, folks, just praying about it is not enough. We pray that we might get an answer, and we have not completed the circle of prayer until we've received an answer. Now, that answer sometimes might be yes, and it might be no, and it might be wait a while. So prayer is as simple as asking getting an answer, then expecting amazing things from God. So what is Jeremiah 33.3? Call upon me, and I will answer thee. Ask, call, and I will answer thee. Now what's the next part? And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, the amazing things. So the problems of prayer are not problems with God. They are problems with us. These problems in the Bible are referred to as hindrances. Now, the word hindrance in the Bible means to frustrate, to frustrate, to cut down, to cut off, to cut out, to hewn down, to hinder, that God could, because of these hindrances, if they're present in our lives, God, it frustrates God. God cut them down, cut them off, cut them out, hewn them down, hinder our prayers. As I said earlier, I don't know about you, but I cannot afford to have my prayers hindered in my life. But let me say this. By the way, the Lord does not, does not have a hearing problem. Isaiah 59.1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have his separated between you and your God, and your sins had hid his face from you that he will not hear. There are actually 11 prayer hindrances uh, to prayer mentioned in the Word of God, and it takes a few messages to cover all of them. Let me give you kind of an overview of an idea of these 11 prayer hindrances. What I've done is because I like alliteration. Alliteration is when you, you know, every word is, is it has the same first letter. And that, that's just the way I think. And it's easy for me to recall it and remember it. So let me give you a couple of those. Some of them you'll be familiar with. Number one, out of the 11 prayer hindrances that can pray, uh, hinder your prayers, is number one is the sin hindrance. We'll talk about that one in depth tonight. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I harbor basically harbor iniquity in my heart, 
habitual, unconfessed sin in my life, God will hinder my prayers. God will hit the pause button in my life until I make it right. You say, well, maybe God forgot. He did, he's never forgotten anything. Unless you've asked forgiveness. The second one is the, what I call the selfish hindrance. When he's talking about you ask what you ask amiss because you want to consume it upon your own lust, selfishness. The next one is the sincerity hindrance. When he's talking about the uh, Pharisees and the religious people of the, Matthew 6, 5, when he's talking about elementary prayer, those who like to be heard in the streets, those who like to, and he says that, that is their reward, the applause of men, that's as far as it goes. Is the applause of men, it is a hindrance. There is what we just talked about in 1 Peter 3, 7, there is what I call the spousal hindrance. <laughs> The spousal hindrance. Now that's very convicting, is it? That is a husband and wife, a Christian couple, and you're at odds at one another, that God says, I will hinder your prayers. That's what the Word of God says. The, the next one, which is the fifth one, is what I call the satanic hindrance. Daniel chapter number 10, when he was trying, he'd been praying, he was trying to get the message, and he said, I battled with a prince of Persia. And so there was a satanic hindrance, Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 13. There is a submissive hindrance when it talks about stiffening the neck and being, and, and being uh, hard-hearted and, and stubborn. That's this submissive hindrance, Proverbs 28, verse number 9, Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. Next is the sympathetic hindrance, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. If we see a need and and we close up our bowels of compassion, okay, we, our prayers can be hindered. There is what I call the uh, superiority hindrance in Luke chapter number 18, the, the publican and the Pharisee they went up to the temple to pray. Uh, one left justified, and it wasn't the arrogant Pharisee, it was the humble publican. That is the seer, uh, superiority hindrance. The next was the setback hindrance which is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, chapter 6, verse 12 through 14. Next, you're going to love this one. Number 10 is uh, the stewardship hindrance from Mat Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. Boy, ain't we having a good time in God's house tonight? When he was talking about giving, he said, I will open the windows of heaven. How do you get God to open the windows of heaven? There's only one way. It's through giving. He said, you've robbed me. They said, where have we robbed thee? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Amen. He said, preacher, you believe in paying your tithes? Well, I don't really see it as paying because it was never mine to begin with. But I'm going to tell you one thing. You say, I can't afford to tithe. This preacher right here can't afford not to tithe. Amen. Because I cannot. You say, I'm not paying God to answer my prayers. That's not what I'm saying. But it's, we are good stewards now let me tell you something real I'm, that's been heavy on my mind, heavy on my mind, that you realize that right now I could, we could totally, through our actions, revolutionize this, this church at Faith Baptist, and any church could revolutionize their church if they'd done five simple things. If you attend faithfully, read your Bible, pray, witness, give. Let me go through that again. You say, preacher, that's so simple. It's so simple, but are we doing it? 
It is everyone doing it, and of course, the answer to that is no, because we'd live in a perfect world. If everybody in this church read their Bible, and I'm not talking about just at church, read your Bible, pray, not just at church, pray. Witness, tell others about Jesus Christ, and then attend, and then give. If each person would capture that passion, you would totally turn this church in, in this side of the county totally upside down. I'm serious. Five things. We're to a point in Christianity now that people are wanting the deep stuff down and dive way down to get the word of God way down here and get the right down on the bottom of the sea. And most of the way that Christians are living today, we're just water skiing on the surface. We're just water skiing. They want to go way down here, and it's like you can go way down there and get all these things, but we got to get the basics down first, right? You got to get the basics down. That is, I told you we was going to have a good time, the stewardship hindrance. And then the last one. Uh, it concerning unbelief, that's James 1, 5, and 6, which would be the what I call the stability hindrance. And so there's 11 prayer hindrances that I'm aware of right now. Now what we're going to look at, I want you to turn back. Let's look at the first one tonight. And this will be in Psalm 66 and verse number 18. Would you turn back there with me, please? Psalm chapter 66 and verse number 18. This is probably the most popular prayer hindrance that we're aware of. If you've been in church in any length of time, you should be aware of this hindrance, If you're not, like I was at the beginning. Verse number 18. Now, I'm going to read down to verse number 20. Here, David said, If I regard iniquity... In my heart, the Lord will not, what church, hear me. Verse number 19, but verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Verse 20, blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So the first thing in your life that can hinder your prayers as a Christian is the sin Hindrance. David said, if I regard iniquity, which is sin, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now let's unpackage that a little bit. The first thing I want you to notice is the word harbor. The word harbor. If, now the word if is conditional. You don't have to harbor unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your Christian life. Let me say that again. You do not have to harbor or hold on to unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life. Some people say, well, keep a short account with God. I'm going to go a step further and say, keep no account with God, for in the very moment that you sin, ask for forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to wait a couple minutes. You don't have to wait an hour, two hours till you go to bed at night. For in the very moment you sin, ask God to forgive you. 
keep a clear connection and fellowship with God. But he says, if I regard iniquity, that is what we would think about harboring sin. Now let's understand something, that when we were saved, God saved me and saved you and saved everyone else that's trusted Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. He saved me at that time from my past, present, and future sins. Now that doesn't mean I'm sinless. I sin because John the Apostle wouldn't have gave the remedy. He said if we include himself, an apostle himself, if we confess our sins, and, and John says if any man say he hath no sin, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. He harbored sin, if, and so it's conditional. You don't have to harbor that. But he says, if I was to regard it, to hang on to it, David knew what it meant to harbor unconfessed sin in his life. Let's look at him as an example. David, the great warrior, the great man, a man after God's own heart, sinned against God. When he saw Bathsheba from the rooftop bathing, a beautiful woman, and then not only that, and he committed adultery, it doesn't stop there with his sin that he had her husband Uriah put on the front lines of the battle so that he would be killed in that battle. David sinned. Let me tell you something about David. David confessed his sin in Psalm 51. But many Bible commentators believe that that was the period of about one year that David harbored unconfessed, unrepentant sin in his life. And you know what? God hindered his prayers for that year. No answer to the prayer. No obligation of God to answer his prayers because he's in sin and he's in disobedience. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. One year had transpired before the events of Psalm 51 when he cried out to God. Thank God for that time that he cried out to God. Hey, don't, don't go any longer. There's always so, already a year wasted. Don't waste any more time. Get that thing right. Get it under the blood. Get it confessed. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, let me ask you something. How's your heart? How's your heart? Do you harbor malice, unforgiveness? Because it's out of the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who shall know it? The heart is evil and wicked and vile. I'm talking about the innermost person. How is your heart? How are things between you and God? I'm not talking about maybe even people in the church. I'm talking about how is your relationship with God right now? How is your heart? And here's what he said in the latter part of that verse. The Lord will not hear me. You say, Pastor that sounds pretty rough. But it's the Bible. And it's what the Bible says. The Lord will not hear me. Now, wait a minute, preacher, you've been preaching on Sunday morning that God's omnipresent. He's, omni he's omniscient. And he's, omni he's, he's omniscient. And, and all these attributes of God, what about all that? Doesn't he hear all, see all, know all? And yes, he does. 
The difference is here, it's not that the Lord didn't hear you. It is that the Lord is not obligated to answer your prayers. Not obligated to answer a Christian's prayers who has unconfessed, harbored sin in their life. See, the difference between the lost person and the saved person is not in the fact that we our ability to sin. We all can sin. We're sinners. But it should be in our attitude toward sin. Our attitude. We ought to have the attitude to make things right and to keep no account with God at all. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 21 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but heareth the prayer of the righteous. Psalm, Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 15, And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. God is not obligated at that time to answer your prayers but until that sin that you're harboring, that you're now here's the difference. Yes, you're going to sin. The Christian's going to sin. That's going to happen. There's, there's no way to avoid it. But what I'm talking about is in, in 1 John, he is talking about, he's talking about sin that is habitual sin. In other words, the if he says, if we confess, means to agree with God. God says it's sin, I say it's sin. Whatever God says, whether I agree with it or not, God's right and I'm wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. We agree with God. God says it's sin, therefore I say it's sin. That if, any, if we confess it and we agree with God, but what John is talking about is a habitual sin that we have harbored and we've, we've repented of the others and repent makes to make a 180 degree turn and, and, and turn away from that sin and walk away from it. Repentance is not coming down here and asking forgiveness and going back and doing the same thing over again. Amen. Let me say that again. Repentance is not tears. It can, it can be accompanied with tears and coming down and getting in front of the church and maybe telling people you've made things right. If you go back out and you keep doing it, that is not repentance. Amen. Hello, I know I'm preaching tonight. You don't go back to it. Then you've truly repented of it. Now in John chapter 9, verse number 31, there's the interesting scriptures of the blind man that was restored his sight. There was a man in the audience that said this statement in John 9, 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Well, let's talk about that just a little bit. Wait a minute. I've heard preachers say that God does not hear the prayers of sinners. Now, again, that goes back to, does he not hear it all? Yes, he's all-knowing. He knows they're praying. But he is not obligated to answer the prayers of sinners. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Let me tell you an illustration of something that pierced my heart. And I may have told it one time before, but I'm going to tell it again. When I was a lost teenager, and I went down here to Young's Barbershop and sat down, and there was a man that come in the door, and I was sitting there back then. We didn't have 
smartphones. I was looking at old magazines. They still make those? All right, so this guy comes in the door, and I could tell by the way he conducted himself and the way he carried himself. I had grew up in church, and I knew I identified him as a preacher. I knew it. And so as I looked at my peripheral vision at this man, I thought to myself, I was praying God didn't hear it, I reckon, but uh, because he didn't answer it, but I thought, don't sit beside me, don't sit beside me, please, oh, he sat beside me. And then worse than that, he wanted to strike up a conversation. How are you doing? All this, he said something I'll never forget. I come so close to truly getting saved that day, but I didn't. I walked away, the Holy Spirit dealt with me, convicted me, and I went on, and the Holy Spirit just, as a gentleman, left me, and that conviction left me. It left me. But there with that man, I'm going to have to ask my dad who his name is because he, he knew my dad. He had donated him a piano <laughs> years ago, and we got to talk and strike up a little bit, conversation, small talk, how's the weather, how's your parents? And then you get to the zinger, right? And he asked me a question that the Holy Spirit drove deep into my heart that day. And he said, David, what is it that you do? Now, I'm not sure exactly his motive in saying that, whether it's where do you work or what are your hobbies, what are the things you are interested in. But the Holy Spirit, in that two-edged sword of the Word of God, pressed that thing down deep in my heart to what am I really conviction? God convicted me on that. And so at that time, I was in high school, and my mom had leukemia. She was down at Baptist, and we were struggling. Me and my brother were working, trying to, you know, keep things up at the house and help my dad and all that stuff and, and during that time. And anyway, I got to talking about that to him, and he said, David, are you saved? And I said, well, I grew up in church. I said, I'll be honest with you. I'm not saved. God will save an honest person. I just said, I'm, just be honest, I'm not saved. I, I grew up in church, no religion, can quote verses, got... I, I got awards. I wanted Bible quizzes, but I'm going to tell you something irrelevant. Irrelevant. I could quote scriptures. Irrelevant. The devil can quote scriptures. The demons can quote scriptures. So what? Well, he said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, David, if you were saved, you could pray for your mom who has leukemia down in Baptist like you really could. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. There are people dependent on us, folks. We're Christians. We can't afford our prayers to be hindered. We can't afford to waste any time or to have things hang us up when it comes to sin. But he said, let me say something. As you look at verse number 18, he says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord might not hear me. Now, he goes to verse 19. But, conjunction, verily God had done what? Hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. David says, if I regard my iniquity in my heart, the Lord not hear me. But it doesn't have to be that way. He said, I have full assurance God hath heard me. One of the most strong statements, I believe, in the New Testament that when the Lord Jesus in his prayer life could say these words, I know when he was referring to the Father, thou hearest me, how many times? Always. Do you realize the power in that? 
Thou hearest me always. Can that be said of me? Can that be said of you that when we pray, because there are no clogs in the channel of the drain of communication that goes to God, no sin in my life that would hinder my prayers, I don't know about you, but if I find somebody with an unclogged direct channel to God with no clogs in it, I want them praying for me. Because that's a prayer that's going to be heard. That's a prayer that's going to be attended to. So forsake your sin. Ask for forgiveness. True repentance. You don't hear about that much today. True confession. True conviction. And true Repentance. The next one is faultless. Now one of the qualifications for a pastor is that he be not blameless. But also faultless. We need to keep no accounts with God. Let me say this and I'm done. What we're going to do is Miss Mary, she's going to come to the piano. I got a song you may not know. It's in your hymnal. And what we're going to do, if you would stand with me, I'll give you the page number here in a minute. We're going to sing this song. Now, you, we may butcher this because you may not know it. But maybe our prayer life is as out of tune as we might sing in a minute. Hello. And after we get done, she's going to continue to play after we sing it. And I'm going to ask you right now, Christian, Brother Keith, if you could help me right up front, I appreciate it. If you get with Miss Carolyn here, he, he's going to talk to you, okay? Christian, won't you step out right now, grab the hand of a spouse, a friend, and kneel down on this altar and confess it and forsake it and get that clog out of the drain of your prayer life. Don't let it hinder your prayers. Don't let it stop you. Right now, won't you come right on? How about it, Christian? Some are coming. How about you? Imagine all the ones. Imagine the power. everyone in this room would confess of sin so that when we prayed it was so effective so powerful imagine the change in those in the life around us maybe you won't come to the front maybe you just want to sit there right where you are do business with God tonight church how's your fellowship how's your relationship 